Okay, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. We can shout for joy because we're children of the Lord. I'm reminded, Lord, tonight of the verse in John that says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. We're your kids. And we have your inheritance and everything that's yours is ours. All of it. Forever. And Lord, we just look forward to being with you. You know, Lord, I I wish for Christmas you just come back. Take us home. Be the greatest Christmas ever. But Lord, we just ask you in the meantime, if you determine to leave us here, that you'd use us for your honor and glory and your praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, how many of you prayed at least two or three times for your list of people this week? Stand up. It's a stand-up group. Got to stand up. Now, you just bless my soul. That is encouraging. Stand up. Look at that. Every week, there's been a few more people. How many of you each week have been a little more motivated to pray when you saw people standing up? Raise your hand. It kind of reminded you, didn't you? Excellent. Excellent. Okay, how many have had some opportunities, have seen some rumblings in answer to their prayers? Uh, Stay standing. The rest of you sit down. Oh, look at this. Look at this, look at this. Maria, tell me about it. Yes? All right, Maria. Yes. That's awesome. That's wonderful. See, you just step out of your comfort zone. For those of you who didn't hear her, she had a Christmas gathering, and that's something that the ladies do, and, and it frankly works fantastic for gals. I don't know if it works for men, but yes? Piggyback. Okay. Isn't that neat? That's awesome. That's awesome. So anyway, she stepped out of her comfort zone. She invited 24 of her ladies from her neighborhood to come to her home. Well, she probably invited more, knowing Maria. But 24 came, and nine of them indicated they received Christ. That's fantastic. Praise God. Bless your heart, Maria. Good girl. Make sure, ladies, you follow up on them. Integrate them. Get them coming to church in their newfound faith. That's tremendous. Thanks for sharing that. Awesome. Mr. Lanhart. Awesome. That's awesome. You, sir. You just became a Christian last year. 
Fantastic. Right. Be praying for. You can talk to her later and she can follow her up right there. Connection. There we go. Okay, thanks for sharing that. Excellent. Karis. Working. There you go. Awesome. You just keep smiling like that, I think you'd be real effective, Chris, okay? Let's go. What to you? Wonderful. 
Right. 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 There you are. Just keep praying and trusting Him. Any of the rest of you just standing up? Does some, someone see anybody come to know the Lord? Are the guys that are standing up or gals? Anyone? All right. Excellent. We, are, we i got to cut this short, so why don't you sit down? But you're, you feel free to write me and let me know what's going on since this is the last night of our class. I really wish we could keep doing this. You know, kind of like have a winning waste support group where we all met week after week to sort of remind each other of what we're all about. How many of you feel like, are convinced that had you not started praying and done this with your list, you probably wouldn't have seen any of these opportunities? Raise your hand. I think that's very true. I want to really drive that home. God answers prayer. And the number one thing, you know what the Bible says in 1 John? That we know that whatever we ask according to His will, we know that we have it. I can assure you that it's God's will that people come to know Him. And I can assure you that God has you in people's lives as a divine appointment. It is no accident that you work with the people you work with. It is no accident that you're in the neighborhood that you're in. It's no accident that God runs you into people. He does it. And He wants you to be proactive about it and seeking Him and asking Him to use you and being willing to open your mouth. It's amazing what happens. We just open our mouth. How many of you have had a chance the last five weeks to invite someone to Evergreen with you? Invite someone to church. Raise your hand. Now, I am. Just stand up, because I want to see how... Just stand up. Hands, I want to see your whole body. See? Now, I want you to know how encouraged I am to see that you're actively inviting people to church. How many have invited two people? Raise your hand. Okay, put it down. How many have invited three people? Raise your hand. Okay, I want to invite four people. Raise your hand. Five people, raise your hand. Six people, raise your hand. Seven people. Oh, eight people. Nine people. Shane, you get the award right there. Unbelievable. Every day you're inviting somebody, aren't you, Shane? I know you and Ann, that's right. That is just such a blessing to me to see that you all are actively getting involved in inviting your friends. Um, this weekend you're going to get a flyer and your program should be a pretty nice one, but I haven't seen it yet. It's an invitation for you to give to your friends for the Christmas Eve service. There's a lot of energy they're putting into this Christmas Eve service for Richfield High. And Lord willing, we'd have the best of our best. Kind of like Super Saturday. We get our, our best bands together and our best vocalists together and our dramas together and etc., etc. in one big massive effort. And I want to really encourage you to take advantage of that and invite someone to it. Relative or a friend, just make sure you put a 32 cent stamp on the... Uh, Invitation because they went and put the nonprofit thing on it, and if it goes out to an individual handwritten, we could lose our tax exempt status, and we don't want that. Okay, so make sure that um, you put a stamp on it.
really blesses my heart to see so many of you involved in inviting your friends to Evergreen. That's what the weekend is for. I mean, we drive this home. How many of you have been through the membership class? Well, let's do it another way. How many have not been through the membership class? Raise your hand really high. Okay. The membership class simply gives you a, an in-depth look at our strategy and what we're about. And I mentioned this to you before, but our weekend service is specifically designed from September to May for outreach. For people who do not know Christ. Even the series I'm doing now, I mean, I don't have any doubt that what God is really like is going to touch your heart. If you know the Lord one year, a week, or 25 years, there's no question it's going to touch you. But I am designed it to introduce people who do not know the Lord personally to Him. That's the whole point of it. Okay? And so it's kind of like a crusade. Every week we have our own crusade. But we deliberately don't share the gospel week after week because, for one, we don't want to pressure people. We want to give them the opportunity to meet you, to come here in kind of an anonymous environment. That's why we turn the lights down, you know, so that when a baby cries or someone moves or if someone falls asleep, they don't feel, you know, like everyone's staring at them. That's why we do it. And that's why we do the music. So please take advantage of it. It's a team effort, and that's what we're all about. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Matthew 5. I want to ask you a question here uh, this evening. How many of you in this room... Now, I want you to answer this honestly. Don't answer what you think you're supposed to answer. Just be really honest with yourself. How many of you in this room consider yourself a people person? Raise your hand. Okay, stand up so I can see. I don't like hands. Just I like bodies. Stand up. Okay, what would you say? Would you say that's like 56.2% of the room? Approximately? I think so. Okay, sit back down. All of us, all of us, no matter who we are, need to grow in our people skills because basically that's what winning people to Christ is all about. It's about extending yourself out of your comfort zone to other people. Now, to some of you who stood up, and it generally tends to be this way, that people who come to an evangelism class maybe have a leaning that way. They're interested. But there are others who come because they want to grow in it. All of us need to grow in it. One of the things you want to do is be very proactive at working to develop good people skills. It's very important. For example, one of your greatest secret weapons is, begins with an S, ends with an E, has an M in the middle, is a smile. A smile. Have you ever noticed how many people seldom smile? It's really amazing. Or you can see this with kids. You know, you say hi to a kid, a kid goes, hi. Nods their head, you know, like you're not even there. Or you walk through the mall, you know, are you a person who practices smiling at the clerk behind the counter when you're buying something at Old Navy? You ought to be. You ought to be. A smile is a secret weapon. A smile lifts people's spirits. It's a people skill. Are you a person who um, is friendly? Well, maybe you're not by nature. Maybe you don't have that bright, sunny disposition. I don't either, actually. I have a daughter that does. My daughter Jessica is my sunshine. She's just little Miss Sunshine, generally all the time. 
And what's, you know, personally, I wish everybody was made like little Jessica because the beautiful thing is if I get a little upset with her, it just rubs off her back and she smiles anyway and still loves me. It's a beautiful thing. It reminds me of the Lord, you know. And I would like to be a lot more like that myself in my own life. The Lord uses her in my life. She's just always smiling, always bright, usually. You know, 90% of the time. But other people are not. And... Everybody has different gifts, different temperaments, different personalities. We're not trying to copy anyone else's personality. We're just trying to develop skills that make us effective with people. Just like if, you know, if God told us, Behold, go into the world and preach the good news to all cars. Well, I guess, you know, we'd want to learn to be a good mechanic so we could convert the car, you know. And uh, we might be a, a, a mechanic-type person, we might not, but we'd probably want to learn how to be effective with the car and sort of win the car and woo the car. And that's what we're trying to do with people. We're trying to become more effective with people. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. Now, I, I want you to underline for yourself there that phrase because that's a pretty powerful phrase. It does not say Jesus is the light of the world. It says you are the light of the world. Now the Bible tells us in John 1 that the light has come into the world and the men love darkness rather than light. Yes, Jesus was the light, but he left. Now he lives inside of you and should glow out of your face, your eyes, your life. And you and I, we are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. And I shared this briefly with you last week. Went again into a little more this week in closing. God wants us to be a light. He wants us to be a light in our jobs. He wants us to be a light in our homes. He wants us to be a light in our neighborhood. He wants us to be a light in our friendships. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that often Christians, when they think of being the light of the world, they think of things they should say. Rather, we need to think of things, first of all, that we could do. There's a saying, a man wrote a book called Lifestyle Evangelism, and in it, he made this statement. People are not so much interested in what you have to say as much as they're interested in whether or not you care. Once they find out you care, they'll usually be interested in what you have to say. Our relationships are very important and that we develop them and how we develop them with people. Because often we think we just deserve a right to be heard because we know the truth and Jesus is the way and you need to listen. You know, that may all be true, but they don't know that. And so it's very important that we develop people's skills that were loving, that were kind, that were tender, that were understanding. Alright? So I'm going to give you some suggestions today on how to let your light shine. Some ideas. What things you could be thinking about. God wants our good deeds to shine. First of all, number one, work your list. Pray for them and plan things to do with them. Now, I'm not, I'm not, this class, you know, isn't going to go on now for a while. And so, there won't be a group to stand up and say, yeah, I've been praying. My desire has been 
That as you did it for five weeks, you hopefully have begun to develop a habit and a heart and a desire. And through this class, your heart has been enlarged to want to care about the world. And as you've been praying, all of a sudden you've seen, wow, I'm starting to have opportunities. I never had them before. I think I'll keep doing this. I hope that happens. I don't know if it will. The sad fact is that probably if we all met together this class five months from now, same people, and we were to ask how many of us have been praying two or three days for opportunities to share our faith and for our friends, you know, generally it would tend to be maybe three people. I'm expecting and hoping for better things from all of you. It's got to be a habit. You've got to be expectant. I read a verse yesterday in Hosea in the Living Bible and it said, Embrace the principles of love and justice. Always be expecting much more from Him your God. I was just struck by that. Hosea 12.6 in the Living Bible. Always be expecting much more from Him your God. That's what the Lord wants. He wants us to expect more, not less. He wants us to live in the expectation of something good coming. And we live in that expectation. Why? Because we've been asking. We've been asking. Remember what Jesus told His disciples. He taught them to pray and to not grow weary and lose heart. He encouraged them, you keep praying. Keep asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And behold, to him who asks, it shall be given. To him who seeks, he shall find. And who knocks, the door will be opened. The literal meaning is keep on, keep on asking. Keep on, keep on seeking. Keep on, keep on knocking. Oh, for men and women who would be tenacious. How many of you are in sales in this room? Raise your hand. <coughs> no, stand up. There you go. You knew I was going to say that. Stand up if you're in sales. Okay, i got a few sales people in here. All right? Okay, see all these sales people right here? And these sales people, they could teach you a lesson. And most of them, I think, have been praying. How many of you that stood up have been praying for your list? Raise your hand. They're salespeople. Okay? And how? most of them, see? You can sit back down. See, salespeople know. I want to tell you something. Sales, to be honest, because I used to do it. So I'm speaking a little from experience. And church growth is one of the easiest things in the world. As long as you work it real hard. Okay? Here's the secret. Any salesman knows, or any saleswoman knows, that you may not be the greatest salesperson in the world, you may not know all the answers to every person's question, but if you make more presentations to more people than the best salesperson in your room, and while they're making 50 a week, you're making 120 a week, I'll tell you a little secret. You're going to make more money. It's all it comes down to. you got to get your product to more people and simply make more presentations. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. And you've got to get used to rejection, and you got to get used to no's, and you got to get used to saying to yourself, you know what, that particular seed didn't grow, but I'm not going to be discouraged. There's a lot more people out there who need what I've got. Now, selling is also one of the most difficult things in the world. A lot of people don't want to do it because they don't like to hear no. They don't like to deal with rejection. It's hard for them. All right? <clears throat> Growing a church 
is also much simpler than most people realize. It takes a lot of prayer, a lot of faith, a lot of courage. But you know what it takes a lot of? A lot of sowing. The Bible says, if you sow abundantly, you will reap abundantly. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. There are many of you in this room not realizing it. You've thought, you've wished, I wish I could be fruitful. I wish something good would happen in my life. But you sow nothing. God doesn't work that way. The only way God God has restricted Himself to work through your sowing. And the more you sow, the more you will reap. And that's why Brent and I, ever since we started Evergreen, and now all of us together have been fanatics about advertising. I don't care what other churches do. I don't care what other people say. We got the greatest thing going on in the city as far as I'm concerned. I'm prejudiced. I don't mean it to badmouth anybody else. I'm prejudiced. The worst thing in the world is to have the greatest thing in the world and nobody knows about it. And Brent and I decided a long time ago to tell you a little secret. We looked at each other one day and said, you know what? If we depend on the saints to help us grow, or to be the primary way we grow, it ain't going to happen. We have to take the responsibility in ourselves, Brent, as the leaders, me and you, and we have to create an opportunity that will help make, help, help create a desire in young men and women to want to be successful. And to show them and prove it to them that we can be successful. And then you know what? It will motivate them to want to invite their friends. And that's exactly what happened. But I look forward to the day that we're on television. I don't mean our church. I mean our advertisements. Where we can tell every single person. I look forward to the day when every single household in the Twin Cities, if you ask them, if you were to take a survey, and they said, if someone says the word church, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? It's every week. I look forward to that day. When we were a household name in every single home in the Twin Cities, and I really mean that. I really, really mean that. And I look forward to the day we have ten locations with a thousand at each. I look forward to the day when we possibly have 20 locations and they're all over the city and Evergreen is known all over the city as a place where you can go check out God without feeling like a fool. And nobody's going to beg you for money and isn't going to bore the snot out of you and you're going to enjoy this experience. I look forward to that day. I dream about it every day. I think about it all the time. All the time. All the time. The issue is what are you sowing? If you sow, if you sow, you'll reap. Now, not every seed will grow. All you and I are responsible for. And you salesmen and women, you remember this too. All you're responsible about is to tell people about your product in a cheerful manner. <laughs> you got to let the rest take care of itself. It's not your responsibility to close the deal for God. All right? You just live your life, love people, practice the things you're going to hear about tonight, reach out to them, befriend them, share Christ with them, bring them here. Walk through the doors that God shows you are open. Share your faith. You've been obedient. You've sown seed. That's all God is asking you and I to do. It's His job to bring them the one to embrace Him through your efforts. Now, there does come a time when you've got to have the courage to close the deal. 
okay? To be a closer. And this is what a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people struggle with what we call asking the question. They present all the information and they kind of sitting there waiting, hoping, because they don't want to put anyone on the spot. You've got to learn to get through that door and put the person on the spot and ask them to sign on the dotted line. Don't you, Brian? You know you got to do that, don't you? you got to ask them to sign on the dotted line. I was talking this afternoon to a, a, a gal on the phone. And she called up and um, is searching for God. Uh, has a religious background, but empty and struggling with life. And um, so after she told me her story, and this is a little, I want to use this as an object lesson, one of the first and greatest things you can do for a stranger or for a person you're getting to know is close your mouth and open your ears. There was a man in Texas, this was some years back, and uh, he put an ad in the paper. And uh, just a small ad in the personal, personal depart, uh, section. And he said... Um, Anyone who wants to call and talk, if you're lonely, I'd be glad to listen for $25 for an hour. And he just stuck this little, because he wanted to see what happened. He got hundreds of calls. Hundreds of calls. Why? Because people are lonely. We live in a really lonely world. And, uh, you know, people's marriages, they don't last. And so they feel isolated. And relationships, you know, most of the time, let's be honest. Generally speaking, the reason people are your friends is for something they can get from you. And when they no longer get what they want or enjoy the situation, they leave. People get used all the time in work. In the work situations, they're just used. We're just slaves of a different kind. Maybe not owned by anybody. We should get treated like that sometimes, don't we? Well, we're the Lord's slave, and we're trying to win people to Christ. And so realize that one of the greatest blessings you can be to another person is to take the time to listen. So, I just, this person called, and I just listened. They said, well, um, they said, I'm really struggling. So, what's the first thing that I do? Well, you know, I just want to take you to the Word of God. You don't really need to struggle. Just let me share this with you. you. There's no need for you to struggle. Just trust God. That isn't what this person needed. What they needed was, well, tell me, what have you been struggling with lately? What's been bothering you? And oh, did that open up the floodgates. And for the next 30 minutes, I listened. And then they kind of, you know, drifted off. And I could tell it was my chance now and probably a good opportunity to begin to lead them to some hope. So I shared Christ with this person. And then I stopped and I said, Now, do you understand what I've said so far? Do you understand that you cannot get to heaven with your good works? Yes, I do. And do you understand that Christ wants to take those burdens that you were sharing with me? Yes, I do. Do you understand that, that the only way we can have true self-esteem is realizing that our worth is wrapped up in God. He thinks we're worth something so much that He paid for us with His own blood. You don't get any more valuable than that. He said, do you understand that? Yes, I do. Now, of course, what's the next question? Well, maybe I'll see you at church this weekend. 
My goodness, no. The next question is, well, tell me. Sally, would you like to receive Christ as your Savior? Yes, I would. Would you like to do it over the phone with me right now? Yes, I would. Well, here's what you do, Sally. And I share with her what to pray. What needed to happen in her heart. She said, if you really want to do that, I'll do it with you. If not, you can do it later. You know I want to do it. Said, well, I'll pray first. And then you just talk to God and you just tell Him what's on your heart. Tell Him that you recognize you need Him. That He died for you. And you believe that with your heart. And you want Him to come into your life and be your Savior. You have to have the courage to ask that question. How many of you have ever felt like you've been to that point, but it was a little scary to go all the way? Raise your hand. It, it is, isn't it? What, why? What, Carol, why did, was it scary for you? Okay, you're afraid of what you do. Now you... you... <laughs> okay. All right, well, how many of you have been afraid of knowing you'd have to see him again? Anybody else? Okay. Why? Let's talk about this. Why? Why would you be afraid if he said knowing you had to see him again? Did you feel they'd feel awkward or you'd feel awkward? Why would they feel awkward if you're still the same kind, loving person? It's not like you're going to get him in the room next time and go, okay, now let's talk about this. Are you coming to Jesus or not? It's, it's the most natural thing in the world. See, this is the devil. The devil wants to make you afraid. He's a liar. He's always been a liar. You need, you need men and women to learn to walk through that door. Now, you know, you don't, like for example, you go home for Christmas... I'm not trying to make this up. Don't laugh too hard. And you know, your, your brother-in-law is there. You know, I haven't seen him for a long time. And you know he's a reprobate. That means he's a pathetic heathen. You know, you know he's just, he just desperately needs the Lord. That's an old-fashioned word, reprobate. That's what I get from reading all those old biographies. And so, so you get him in the corner and you say, so George! Yeah? George, I want to talk to you about spiritual matters. Okay. Uh... But the football game's on. I don't care, George. You could die tonight and go to hell. I could. You sure could, especially you. <laughs> now, George, Jesus can change your life. He's the Savior of the world. <laughs> okay? And you need salvation. <laughs> you need repentance. And you need to be sanctified in the name of the Lord. Yeah, hey, praise Him. That's right. Can I get an amen? Glory! And so all of a sudden, George is like turning red and you go, Now, George, I want you right now to kneel down in the presence of the Lord and receive Him now. Okay? So he kneels down. And, you know, he's shaking. You know, look, I want you to ask, invite Him into your heart right now. And George looks up and he goes, I don't really want Him. Well, now, you know, what do you do? You know, that's not what we're talking about. Okay? We're talking about, um, this is a person that you've made friends with. Okay? Um, Carol. Carol's a, a beautician. We used to call them now, they're cosmetologists. 
Okay? And so she cuts hair. And you have lots of opportunities. You get to know someone. And maybe someone, when they're in their chair, it's amazing what they share with you, isn't it? It's amazing. I overhear the conversation over. I'm getting my hair cut. It's just unbelievable, man. <laughs> Stuff people start talking about. We ought to all become haircutters, what we ought to do. We'd be winning people right and left. Either that or a bartender. One or the other. It's amazing what bartenders hear about, isn't it? It's just, well, not that I ever was one. I'm sure some of you maybe were, but anyway. So, you, this person starts to share these things, and you just listen. You just listen. And uh, they realize, I can trust you. See? Trust begins to develop. You have to earn trust. You don't deserve it. You have to earn it. You earn it by your confidentiality. You earn it by your genuine spirit. You earn it by your sincere care. So maybe the next time they come in, it's Carol's shop. She remembers their name. And she says, so, Tiffany, you know, I was just, I was remembering, you know, last time you were telling me about you and your boyfriend and things were going pretty tough. Now, you know, I've been thinking about you and I just wondered, are things better? Have they worked out? You know what Tiffany's going to do? Like slide right, melt right in your hand. Like, first you remember my name. Secondly, you remember that I was going through something difficult with my boyfriend. This is unbelievable. I've only been in here once or twice before. And so all of a sudden, Tiffany says, well, you know, no, they've been pretty tough. And I don't know what to do. I'm not sure what to do. You know, now, Carol might begin to say, you know, Tiffany, three years ago, I was in a situation very similar. I didn't know what to do either. I said, but you know, Christ has given me a whole new perspective on my life. Oh, she said the Jesus word. <laughs> just, see, you just slip that in. Just so natural. Just slip that in. You don't say, Tiffany, I was lost like you once. I was destined for hell. I was an immoral slut just like you. That's called the lack of diplomacy. It's also called lacking people skills, okay? Alright? So, the Bible says, be as shrewd as a serpent... Harmless as a dove. Okay? So, that, by the way, that may be everything she is. This may be her 25th boyfriend. She may simply be nothing but a slut who doesn't get paid. But she's a soul that Christ died for, and He loves her. And He loves her. And He cares for that. Maybe what the world thinks, that's not what God thinks. He loves her. And realizes that she's helpless and harassed. So, Carol may say, and she just begins to share her testimony. Very non-threatening way. In the meantime, giving her a beautiful haircut. <laughs> See? So, Tiffany gets done, and I got a feeling Carol, Carol's a pretty affectionate kind of gal, and Tiffany's probably bonded to her. So she probably gives her a little hug. Says, Tiffany, listen, I'll be praying for you, and I'll hope things work out for you. And here's my card, and here's my home number. And if you'd ever like to talk, will you just call? Is that hard to do? It's not hard to do. It's just that we don't think in those terms. See? But be, why? Because we, for, we separate our job from our mission. Job just pays the bill. You're on a mission 24-7. Every day, all the time. Remember your mission. These are the way you do these kinds of things. They're really not that hard. 
Some of you know Russ Bear, Russ, the little crew cut guy. He's out in the hall all the time. He helps with stuff, kind of an usher. Rush, Rush came to know the Lord just a couple years ago at Evergreen. Russ has one of the most amazing testimonies, most challenging lives of anybody, family upbringing of anybody I know. Russ used to be bathed in a horse trough. Raised by bikers. His story is unbelievable. Russ came to know the Lord. And bless his little heart. He's just a radical for the Lord. Wants to win everybody and their brother. Some of you know Brent Riggs and his twin brother. They're over in Plymouth. But the Riggs brothers now come. And that's where I get all my, my fight videos. They hand me all the fight videos. Every, every, I, I can't go on Saturday nights usually because i got to share the next morning. So when all the big fights are on, they tape them for me and bring them to me. And I've gotten to know them by, you know, we have boxing in common. By the way, if you don't like boxing, it's okay. You don't have to. It's in my genetic makeup. My father had 132 fights and won 120 of them and 110 by knockout. So it's just, you know, it's in my blood. But I don't hit people and stuff like that. I want you to know that. <laughs> and um, Russ came to a class like this when he first came to the Lord several years back. And I was sharing how to have an impact on your job. And I said, you know, let me ask you something. How hard is it to become the donut man a couple times a week at work? You know, how many of you like Brugger's bagels? Now, how many of you like jelly-filled roll? You can be honest here. We don't have to worry about each other's diet. Or a, or a maple Bismarck or, you know, whatever it is. Or some kind of cookie. You know what I'm saying? You know what I used to do in my job after I was there just a little while? I would go around and, and I couldn't do this with 50 people, okay? But I might do this with four or five or six people that I work with. I go around and say, you know, hey, what's, what's your favorite roll? You know, jelly roll. And they'd tell me. Or you might ask, what's your favorite? Yeah, i like, what's your favorite one there? You might, you know, bake them out and say, oh, my, my favorite's this one. What's your favorite? They'd tell you. Two times a week, I'd show up with their favorite one. What's it cost? Three bucks, two times, six bucks. Six bucks for a soul. Six measly bucks. Do you know what Luke chapter 16, you know the passage that says he was faithful in small thing will be faithful in much? How many of you are familiar with that passage? Do you know what that whole entire passage is about? It commands us to use the mammon of unrighteousness, money, to win friends for yourself so when your money dies, they will welcome you into heaven. IBM knows that better than we do. You people that are in sales, let's be honest. You know what lunches are? Little gifts? They're called bribes. Now we won't call them that because I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. We're trying to butter them up. We're trying to win their favor. You better believe that a soul is worth buttering up. So Russ, he, he took me serious. Bless his little heart. He went around and he became the candy man at work. And a few weeks later, Brent Riggs came to know the Lord. Then led his twin brother to the Lord. Now his mom comes. His sisters come. They have one other people that work to the Lord. They aren't geniuses. They didn't know every Bible answer in the world. They still struggle like all of us struggle. But they had the guts to take the pastor serious. And take these simple little principles that anybody could do. And they started having an impact on people at work. I remember a Gary, I told you a little bit about my buddy Gary up here, right here. One of the best friends I've ever had, ever will have. But a few years ago, Gary and I, we weren't even related. He didn't know the Lord, I did. And he came through the doors at Evergreen. 
And he passed the first morning and uh, told me how much he enjoyed the service and left the service. And the next thing, time I saw him uh, was at the little Halloween. We used to have beggars night celebration, we called it. Now we just have too many kids to do it. We put up in a big free thing for all the kids and give them all this candy and little games. The college and singles would put on a, a night for them. And so Gary came, brought his wife, and I met him and his kids. And, and then Gary happened to mention that, oh, by the way, I, I won't be here next week because uh, my business partner's mother died, and I've got to go to her funeral. And it's, you know, it's a. I told you this last week, but I'm going to tell it to you again. And, um, and you know, it's a really sad thing. So, you know, I, I went away that night, and I thought, you know, how could I have an impact on Gary? I mean, I only met this guy. This is the second time. I thought, well, you know, I'm going to go out and get a card. And I had just been to a funeral of a friend recently, and it was really hard. God's timing was amazing, because, by the way, I've not been to many funerals. Um, and this was the first one I had been to in probably uh, 20 years. And it was of an old bandmate's wife, and uh, completely died unexpectedly. And it was a total shock. And I had to sing at the funeral. It was one of the hardest things I ever did. And... Um, it's like a little card, a little sympathy card. I didn't get a real Christian one, just sort of an in-between one. And I said, Gary, you know, I, I just want you to know my heart goes out to you. I know this is a difficult time. I just had a good friend's wife that died, and it was very hard. And I want you to know that my thoughts and prayers will be with you. Sincerely, your friend, Mark. And, well, that touched Gary, and that opened the door. We went to lunch after that, another lunch after that, and another lunch after that. We've been going to lunch for a lot of years now. And he came to know the Lord. His children have come to know the Lord. They all got baptized. He's reached out to his family, to his friends. It's, folks, listen, this is not brain surgery. You don't have to go to college to do any of the things I'm telling you. All it takes is a sincere heart and a proactive desire and a plan and you start scheduling these kinds into your life, all right? So now I'm going to close with just these simple things. Secondly, make friends with strangers. You know, if you don't have friends on your list, then make friends with strangers. It's not really that difficult to do. Three, get busy, be proactive, create opportunities, be focused and aggressive. Aggressive is a key word there. Be aggressive. Andy, I wish Andy was here. He was sharing with me the other day when he used to work at Malto Meal. You know, he would target each of the guys that he worked with. He would pray over them. If he would go down into the cafeteria, and because uh, he couldn't always eat with some of the guys, and he saw someone sitting alone, he would walk up to them and ask, can I sit with you? Sure, and he'd introduce himself. Tom and Kim Gunther are here as a result of, of Andy and his labor at Malto Meal. A young man named John. Is John here tonight? John, are you here? Well, John is here and has been coming to the class and came to the Lord because of Andy's effort in Malta Meal. All it takes is to step out of your comfort zone and introduce yourself and get to know people. Four, plan activities. You must do more than pray for your list. As you pray, God will open the door. But plan activities. I was with a friend today, a young man um, and, uh, from Asia. And... Uh, he doesn't speak the language real well, but he speaks well enough to understand. And to, you know, that I can understand him if I listen real carefully. He has a real heart to reach out to people. Here's what's really interesting. He said, you know, Mark, I've been looking for a place to serve at Evergreen, and 
I'm just praying about what the Lord wants me to do. But he said, you know, when I went to college in Eau Claire, when I finished in Eau Claire, one of the things I did was I, I helped um, reach out to new international students. I'd take them to the mall if they didn't have a car, or I'd get to know them. He said, now I work, and I, and, and I work with some people from India, and they're really drawn to me. Of course they're drawn to him. You know why? Because he doesn't speak the language real well, just like they don't. And they realize, wow, he's had to go through doors that we still have to go through. And there's a common bond. So what do you do? You could team up. I, I told him, I want to find some friends. His name's Gibson. I said, Gibson, I want to find some friends. And I can help you team up. And let's just have some dinners. And invite him to come over to dinners. Let's put on a little Christmas party. And invite him over and show him what an American Christmas is like. Won't preach to him. Just hang out. Play some Christmas music. Exchange some gifts. Give them some gifts. Have a little dinner. Fix something from their country. Fix something American. Is that so hard? It's not hard. It's just that we get so busy, we never plan it. We never get down to it. These ideas, you know, you don't have to be a creative genius. You just look out and go, well, my goodness, I could reach out to that person. That person needs help. That person just needs a friend. But if it doesn't get into your calendar, and if you don't step out and ask and do something about it, the best intentions in the world will never materialize without a proactive plan. Uh, six, well, five is be creative. Six, think of ideas. I'd sit around some time with a piece of paper and just think of ideas. What things could you do? You know, you guys, maybe uh, you know you could go ice fishing with a buddy. Now, now I hate ice fishing. I hate golf. Now, I'm being honest with you. That doesn't mean golf is dumb. Just because Mark hates golf doesn't mean it's dumb. I could be dumb. Okay? <laughs> but I hate golf. I think it's a dumb game. It's not nearly as athletic or aggressive as I like to be. And it bores me. But I used to have a neighbor. His name was Jim. And uh, I was trying to reach out to Jim. And Jim liked chew tobacco, drink beer, and golf. So... I asked him one day, I said, hey, Jim, you want to go golf? He goes, hey, you go golf with me? I said, no, I'll try. You know, I've golfed before. It just, you know, it's just not that much fun to me, but I, I can do it. I can put the ball down. i got pretty good eye-hand coordination. I can hit the ball, and we can chase it. <laughs> so, so, but you know what's very interesting about golf that I discovered? You know, a lot of times, ladies, you think men aren't very social. Men are interesting animals. If you put a golf club in their hand, a fishing pole, or a beer, they get real social. Don't they? How many of you guys have ever found that out? You know, I, I like fishing. Fish is another thing. I just, I cannot deal with fishing. It's just like, you know, you're just sitting there, sitting there for hours, and mosquitoes are biting you all over the place, and you're just sitting there in the grass, you know? I think I just broke my eardrum. And you just sit there for hours. Finally, somebody told me, Mark, don't you realize the reason men, men uh, fish is, number one, they get away from their wives. Number two, they get in a boat and have a big six-pack of beer, and they just sit there all day. Quiet. Oh, they talk for a while. They talk a little bit. Some people talk a whole lot. I had one older couple. It was so cute. After service of the morning, she goes, Now, Mark, you quit knocking fishing. It's kept my marriage together for 45 years. <laughs> she said, Me and my husband... Well, we go out and we love to go in the boat and we do it with our grandkids and we just sit out and we just, we don't care if we catch nothing, we just sit in the boat all day. And I thought, you know, that is really special. I didn't grow up that way, but that's really special. 
And so, you know, maybe it's going fishing, maybe it's going hunting, maybe it's going golf, maybe it's going to play racquetball, maybe it's going to a sports bar to watch a game. I don't know. Be creative. The sky's the limit. Okay? Generally speaking. Don't do something unrighteous, but there's a lot of things that you could do to relate to someone if you just took the time. Lastly, remember God uses people who are available and step out in faith. He doesn't use the perfect. He uses the available. And those of you men and women who are willing to go, you know what, Lord? I just got a few loaves and fishes. Listen, I shared my popcorn story with you last week. My wife and I were going through desperate financial times. They were very hard. And I didn't have money to take her to McDonald's. My friends, till I moved here 11 years ago, we never bought clothes anywhere but the Goodwill for the first seven years of our marriage. I wouldn't even know what it was like to buy something from Target, new. But I had enough to make a bag freshly buttered popcorn and take it to my place of work. Now you may think, see, I, I want you to know something. I've gotten used to people thinking I'm idiotic. I don't care anymore. See, God uses the idiotic. I don't care what people think about Mark anymore. I'm tired of having people tell me things can't be done. They've told me that all my life and all my Christian life. When I first moved up here, people told me, oh, Mark, you can't find a house for $500 a month. You can't find it. You mean, and I had a list. I'm going to share it this weekend so I won't get into the story. Lo and behold, last weekend I was here, God gave me exactly what I was praying for. People have been telling me all my life, it won't work, can't do it. I just don't care. God can do whatever. Are you available and are you willing to step out in faith and trust Him? He'll use you. He'll use you. I have a lot of other things I'd like to tell you, but... Uh, I'm going to maybe plan a winning ways two, a winning ways three, winning ways four. And so if you're interested in coming back in the months to come, we're going to probably continue some other kinds of principles, like how to be a good friend, what it takes to develop a friendship. I've found, to be honest, a lot of people don't have very good social skills, primarily because so many of our families did not have them. Not because you're a bad person, just because we didn't, we didn't develop them. So... I really appreciate your attendance to this class. I love doing this class. I hope it benefits you. My prayer for you, I'm praying for you, that God will help you get passionate about reaching people. And that you just take these things seriously, get the tapes, go over them, remind yourself of them, keep praying for friends. And I'll tell you what, all of you, in my opinion, could probably reach someone this year. Either through your own sharing with them or your friendship and bringing them here and they get saved. One last little secret. I have found this to be true. That if people respond to you socially, lost people, they like you, they want to be with you, 98% of the time, they'll end up wanting to be with your God. Always remember that. So I have a little thing that I do. It's just real quick. If I'm starting to get, try to be friends with a person and they don't want to be friends, I never take it personal. I move on. There's a lot of other people who want to know Mark Darling, I tell you that. And there's a lot of people who want to know you. You're one of the neatest people on the planet. you got the Holy Spirit. you got joy, joy, joy in your life. And don't worry about them. Don't take it personal. Just go to another person. And when you find a person who starts to like you, and I don't mean like, you know, romantically, but they like you, they like your company, guess what? You're probably going to have a really good chance to lead them to the Lord.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you tonight for saving us. Thank you, Lord, that someone befriended me. Lord, I've never forgotten Tim. Tim Kaufman. My long-haired, leather-jacket-wearing hippie friend who took the time to talk about my car and his car and share a pizza with me in Leon's Lounge and listen to my life and share his with me and then welcome me into his $45 a month apartment where we were roommates for the next two years. All that we shared together, I've never forgotten it. I wouldn't be here today if someone hadn't taken the time with me. Lord, I just ask you that you'd motivate us in our heart. Sometimes, Lord, I admit I grow weary. I feel exhausted. I just, I don't know how else to put it. I, 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 and, and then I find out, you know, that maybe 10 or 15 people are still doing these things. Two years later, I, I just pray that each person here, you'd move in their heart. You'd help them to do something with the things they've learned and win their friends to Christ in Jesus' name. Amen.